There's a lovely feeling when you no longer have to think about every single thing you're doing after you've learned something well enough that you can just put it onto autopilot. And there's so many things in horse riding that this applies to. And this month, I want to challenge you to do one of those in your riding. Hi there, my name is Orna Leeson and welcome to the Daily Strides podcast, the podcast for equestrians all over the world, having you to have better conversations with your horse. And I really do feel that just like our normal day-to-day conversations that we have with other people, there's a lot that goes on that after a while we don't even realize we're doing. It's just part of it. It's part of the conversation. If you don't believe me, have you ever tried to communicate with somebody in a language that you do not understand? Okay, so they speak a totally different language to you uh, or, and you speak a totally different language to them and the two of you are trying to communicate. Now, I have this on, I would say, definitely a weekly basis. I experienced this in South Africa. Um, it's lovely, very diverse, 11 national languages. But it also leaves a lot of space for, yeah, you know, these kind of gestures, okay? And communicating like that. And it really and truly allows me to then appreciate a lot of the things that when I'm speaking to somebody in English, for example, I don't even realize that I... I just take for granted because I just know it so well. And I think horse riding is like that, okay? When you're not sure of it, there can be a lot of gestures and there can be a lot of miscommunication and there can be a lot of, do you know what I mean? No, you don't know what I mean. Oh, how do I get you to know what I mean? And all this fun stuff, okay? And then being able to, over time, become more fluent in the language of riding, okay? I'm working with your horse. Um, it, a lot of it comes down to just putting things on autopilot. Now, I'm a firm believer that in horse riding, there are basics that, yes, you put on autopilot, but then you have to revisit, okay? And you upgrade as you become more experienced, more developed, more advanced, okay? As you learn more, as you understand more, as you know better, okay? When you know better, you do better, okay? And you want to upgrade these a lot. So this month, I'm going to challenge you to either put a basic onto autopilot. I'm going to run through a list just now, so bear with me. Or to upgrade an existing basic that you've already got on autopilot, but perhaps it's no longer serving you. Okay, um, and and it is important to realize that they you will everything in riding you will have to upgrade at some point. You're going to have to do things better or do things differently, depending on where you are in the journey and where your horse is in the journey. Okay, so that's important to understand. Okay, so what are a couple of the things that you could commit? to tackling this month if you're game. Okay, so the first one is your seat and specifically following and allowing. Now, I know the seat is a big topic. I also realize that the seat is probably not where most novice riders would start and it wouldn't be where I would tell you to start, but, 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 come back to me. I do think that the seat and being able to follow and allow pertains to all riders. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how long you've been riding, doesn't matter what you're doing, okay? Following simply means that you are allowing your horse to lead you, okay? So it's like your horse is able to move you, physically move you, move your seat, okay? 
because you are supple and loose and free and allowing okay and that's really important it's an important part of horse riding to learn to be led okay or to to learn to just let the horse take you once you can get to this point where the horse is freely taking you and and you're allowing this and, and it feels good you can then begin to start seeing how you can actually begin to direct the energy a little bit more with your seat, okay? So I've, I call this allowing because you're allowing the flow of energy. So you get to have a bigger say. But before you get the bigger say, you have to learn to follow, okay? You have to be able to do that then you get to start having the influence, okay, over your horse and what your horse is doing with your seat as well. So where many people would put something, an element of this onto autopilot would be the half halt. So initially for a lot of people, the half halt can seem rather daunting and it's like, kind of this holy grail and they're like I don't know it doesn't really work and I try all the things and it's not that great and then over time they kind of find this kind of a a groove with it if you want and it's like yeah yeah no no I can do yeah got that but you see if we're not continuously upgrading that okay for where we are in our riding the half halt can actually become a handbrake (laughs) it's it's not the half halt anymore it's like a dead stop it's a handbrake in your riding okay and where you see this is riders begin to drive or usually in half halt they'll block with their seat so recently i've been working with riders we've been talking a lot about canter and this this is showing up in the perspective that or from the perspective that when they are trying to get a distinctive rhythm in the canter okay so they're trying to work through this and and really and truly feel this um and encourage the horse and influence the horse in this they're getting stuck in the middle and it's because yes you can use your seat to half halt but you also it's a split second okay so you can refine your half halt and of course a half halt is a balance of aids there's a lot of different aids going on there so being able to refine that over time and balance it is really important so that could be something that you could work on for this month okay the second part of this is your posture and your position now when you start riding initially you probably heard a lot about your posture and your position it's probably drummed into you but you see over time bad habits creep in and it could be for example yesterday I was in the arena with a with a rider and what we noticed was happening was that her inside leg kept creeping up as she was on a circle or bend okay and that's just a habit that's a bad habit and it's caused from incorrect posture okay so once we kind of changed that and we moved a few things around the inside leg was more of a symptom of what was going on in the bigger picture of things once we began to straighten things out a little if you want it began to resolve itself so if this rider had have just focused on their inside leg yeah they would have got a short-term fix but as soon as pressure was applied meaning as soon as a bigger question was asked or something happened that maybe was unexpected you would have went straight back to that inside leg rising up again, okay? So your posture and your position is really important. And over time, as I said, bad habits tend to creep in here. I myself had a, 
um, a bad habit of turning my left hand. So instead of it looking like I was carrying a cup of tea, it looked like I was holding the handlebar of a mountain bike. <laughs> okay. And it was just a habit. It was something I had to work on. I kind of made it a little mini project and there we go. It straightened itself out. So it is important to notice these things. And again, you could use this for your month. Okay. So the next suggestion I have for you are your aids. So we tend to learn aids and learn about our aids pretty early on in the journey of course they are kind of the building blocks to how we're going to communicate with the horse but it is important to all the time upgrade them so I would probably think at this point your aids you're using them I would say you need to then look at upgrading them so how you're using them and one of the specific areas you could begin to focus on with this is timing your aids so not just kind of willy-nilly using your aids wherever but actually beginning to time them with the movement of the horse so as you're asking the question at the best time for your horse to respond okay so it's your aids but you're refining how you're going to use them that can be really important and it's something that again all the time you're constantly going to be upgrading as you continue on in your riding journey Another idea would be bending and turning. So I've already given you the example of the rider with the inside leg, but sometimes when we're going through bends and turns, we can get really, really specific on it early, particularly when we're learning to actually ride a circle. I say this because so many shapes I see in the arena. I don't know. I'm like, well, when I went to school, that wasn't what a circle looked like. I don't know if things have changed between now and then. But yeah, a circle, when we're learning to ride a circle, we, we are very, very specific on it. But very often, because we're so specific with it, okay, there can be a lot of excess tension in our body that we need to also learn to yeah, kind of let go of, dissipate a little, okay? So that can be a big one. But then also over time, we can become a little complacent. So where I see this happening a lot for riders is particularly when they are cantering, even cantering large around the arena. So if they were cantering a, the rectangle, so they're just cantering on the outside track, very often the corners and the bends are not what they could be. And it's because a little bit of complacency comes in, into it, okay? So turns and bends in walk, trot and canter, they're important, they're important to revisit. And I actually feel that they can be really, really almost like spotlights as to where work is needed in the ride, okay? So you can use it that way. And then the final two pieces are trotting and cantering. I can bet you that the very first time you felt that, yes, I've got the rising trot. You also probably felt like trotting, I've got it, I'm there. And now if you look back on that now, you probably realize that, holy moly, that was only the start. That was like step one on a never-ending ladder of steps to really and truly develop a better trot and to, to, to ride better in the trot. So trotting and cantering are two things that I feel need to be revisited a lot, not just the trot and canter themselves, but also the transitions in and out of both of them. I know for so many riders, the transition from canter back to trot, that's a bouncy one, hey? <laughs> that one can have an awful lot of resistance showing up in it. Anyway, all this to say, I am going to challenge you to take one of these, just one of them, one basic for this month, and to go deep and to see if you can either 
put it onto autopilot if it is not already there. So this will depend on where you are in your writing journey. But if you have all of the things I just mentioned onto autopilot, if you don't think about them all the time, okay, which is, I would feel where a lot of writers are, um, go back and revisit one and upgrade it and then see the difference that that's going to make in helping you get to the next level in your riding. If you would like more help with this, I'm going to invite you to join me inside of Returning to Riding. You can find all the details over at stridesforsuccess.com forward slash summer. I'll see you there. Have a good one. Keep well. And I'll chat to you soon. Bye.